welcome to Have You Ever Heard Of, a history podcast telling you about people that you may or may not have heard of. If you've listened to us before, you'll know that usually we post every two weeks telling you about two people from history. We've changed that a bit. From now on, you'll hear from us every week and each episode will talk about one person from history that you may or may not have heard of. Either Dan or I will take the reins and be the presenter while the other one teaches you about the person that you may or may not have heard of. Acting as teacher this week is Dan. Well, hello, Dan. Hi, how's it going? It's going all right. It's actually, yeah, it's pretty good today. I feel productive today. Uh, that's good. What have you been up to? I, well, I've been working, which I'm still doing from home. Um, but then at lunchtime, I spent like an hour doing like some podcast stuff for us, some drawing, a little bit of like work on some other like stuff that I needed to do, like emails and stuff. So that's pretty pretty productive for just an hour lunch and then yeah I'm gonna go out and make a not go out I'm gonna go out into the back garden and like water the plants and stuff after this so yeah it's good what about you what have you been up to have a garden we don't have one we have like a courtyard that we have to share with the entire building so it's kind of like a people always do sit out there but it's just like you have to like claim it before anyone else it's basically like a sunbed at a (laughs) claim it maybe you could like like, yeah put like a flag in (laughs) like dan just says dan on it (laughs) what else have you been up to i've been editing the rules to the tabletop game that i designed uh yes tell wait remind me what it is it's world war ii right yeah it's just a world war ii kind of tactical tabletop game that you play with miniatures it's very geeky very nerdy but it's, so it's like kind of like Warhammer, but for World War Two. Basically, yeah, kind of like bolt action, but one to thirty-five scale instead of twenty-eight millimeter. That's the kind <laughs> of shit, shit that I want to get into. So we bought a new board game. Um, it's called Terraforming Mars. Have you heard of this? No. Oh, when we can get together, we have to play. It's, but you, we need like five hours. So Sweet. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be like a whole evening. Basically, it's like a map of Mars, yeah. like a real, they made it so the scale is like proper and everything with all the different like craters and oh, wow. stuff. Yeah. So it's a, and you have to terraform it. So you need oxygen, temperature and oceans. Oh, so it's like a city building and, game, but board Yeah, you work against each other. Exactly. Yeah. You work against each other as a corporation to get the most resources and get the most cities and the most forests. And then whoever gets like the most points basically wins. Oh, nice. And it's more complicated than it sounds. I think that actually the rules could be written a little bit more like simply. Yeah. Because it seems like so much more complicated. But once you get into it, once you've played it a couple of times, you're like breaks through it. But it does take... We had to take a break yesterday. We started at like 2 p.m. Mm-hmm. and then took a break at 5 p.m. and oh, then like wow. went again at 8. Like we needed like a, <laughs> a little bit of a break. <laughs> An interval. <laughs> game interval. <laughs> that's, nice. that's the problem. Like that's my worry with my game. Like writing the rules properly, having them kind of like in a form that people actually will actually be able to understand. I mean, like the my, my my main problem is I I'm like a technical writer in my professional life anyway, so I should be really good at it. So that just adds extra pressure, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a technical writer 
but I do a lot of writing. So when I'm writing, because we're also making a board game, which is about space, and I'm trying to make the story interesting. And I'm also trying to make the story work because one of yeah. our parts of our story is like, you have to get reputation points from each planet. Uh-huh. And, and then I'm like, okay, so how is this reputation going to help them do the final thing that they need to do? And Matt's yeah. like, oh, well, just, it will just help. It's fine. And I'm like, no, no, no. The story has to make sense. <laughs> yeah, that's another layer that I don't really have to like worry about, the narrative. <laughs> yeah, you've I already got the narrative. Like, create stats for troops, and you'll be like, yeah, and you go and make them fight. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's just tools to allow people to make their little toys fight, basically. I never grew up. <laughs> <laughs> Growing up is overrated. Exactly. It's a trap. Turn back. <laughs> Turn back. Go away. So, um, I know everybody has been rubbish at like everything's rubbish for people for work right now. Um, yeah. Like you know, I've got loads of friends and family furloughed, and I know that self-employed people like yourself are really struggling. But I just got yeah. my contract extended. Oh, nice! Good times! Woo woo! <laughs> Actually, for me, I'm like sorted for a little bit longer because I was gonna. I was having a bit of a panic, so my panic has has diminished a little bit. Yeah. I... There are still contracts out there, but there's just that, not that many. Lots of people competing over a much diminished pool of contracts. Um, I think it's really important for the people at home to know that we're recording a video and Dan has these flowery cushions behind him. <laughs> so just imagine Dan with these like lovely girly cushions behind his head. They are very... Oh yeah, the flowery purple ones. And a massive... Um... What is that? <laughs> Like a rug or something? It's like a wall hanging. Not exactly a rug, yeah. Well, like a throw, yeah. On the wall. Because wall hangings are essentially just rugs on your wall. Yeah. <laughs> rugs for walls. Actually, I, read, I just read a bit in Warfall where um, Thomas More was like, where shall I hang this? Should I put this on the wall or on the floor? And I'm like, <laughs> really, like, wall hangings should be known to be wall hangings and rugs should be <laughs> on the floor. There shouldn't be, like, one or the other. It should be, like... I guess all wall hangings I've seen have just been rugs. Like, what was the... There was a really cool pub in um, East London. I can't remember what it was called now. It's now turned into this really posh, like, shit's place. It used to be, like, this old cocktail bar. We could get, like, um, fish bowls. Oh, for, like, really cheap. nice. And the toilets just stunk of ammonia. Like, they'd never, ever been cleaned. <laughs> and there was, like, a big Persian rug on the wall that just, like, had tanks on it for some oh reason. Oh, my God. I love that. That's the best. I had so many... And bunk beds. They had bunk beds in there as well. Which what? Is... So it's like... It's kind of like Ikea, where you go in and there's like disparate yeah. <laughs> disparate items just in the same place. <laughs> but now it's just a posh bar. But the toilets... Like, they've cleaned up the toilets and they've like completely redone them. But it's still... You can still smell the ammonia. You'll never get that smell out now. When, when this is lifted, let's go. Let's go and drink <laughs> fish bowls of cocktails. <laughs> And just get just wasted. Casa Blue, that's it. Casa Blue. Casa Blue. Oh my god, that's I've beautiful. Had so many great night, great nights out there. I love it, man. Do you remember? Do you remember? Do you remember night out? Nights out. That was good, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Being out to, out there in the public <gasps> pubs. Pubs were interesting, weren't they? Yeah, pubs were good. I reckon they won't be open until at least your birthday at the end of July. Yeah. So maybe like could be our first hurrah. We'll be like maybe we could just have a joint birthday because they are only actually sixteen days apart. Our birthdays. Oh yeah, good point. We should just have like a joint birthday. Well, hopefully, uh, 
we'll arrange the pub crawl again so we could make that a joint thing. Absolutely, I'll get... I'm the, s- Camden, the Camden crawl. I wish I could be teetotal and be just like <laughs> that cool teetotaler who is cool with everything. But alas... Yeah, cool straight alas. edge. <laughs> straight edge, when was that Oh, thing? I used to be that straight was edge. emo days, wasn't I was it? straight edge before I was 18 Draw though. Draw X's on your yeah, hands. Yeah, so it doesn't, it's not real <laughs> if you're not 18. <laughs> Straight edge. Yeah, I was also at odds with those people because I was... Not the, the opposite. opposite. <laughs> I was not. I was not straight you edge. Were... I was very bendy. <laughs> oh, I mean, spaghetti is straight till you put it in the pan, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so what else have you been doing with your uh, with your downtime? Um, what, have been, what, what have you been watching? Oh, since that is basically what everyone's doing now. It's just Netflix, have, isn't it? Have you seen Tiger King yet? Because we talked about this last... No, I still oh, haven't. Oh my gosh, come get on it. Um, oh, yeah, we have been watching Community actually. Yeah, oh, really? we've seen it before. So, oh, it's wicked. I mean, I got up to about series six. There are only six we were, like, seasons. Okay, maybe it wasn't six. It must have been like three or four. Yeah, then. we didn't get to the end. We kind of like stopped. Um, we had like Community overload. So this is like 20, 20 episodes, like a season. Well, no, it's like the first. Like. Yeah, there's twenty five in the first season, and then it goes down. Like, yeah. um So we've been watching that when we watch together. I've been watching Poldark. Ah, uh, nice. Dreamy, dreamy, a uh, period costume <laughs> man. Um, oh, on the Poldark thing, I went to, uh, I went to where it's filmed. Oh, really? Beautiful. Is it in, filmed in Cornwall, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so beautiful around there. It was oh my god, I want to go. And it was all right, really like windy, so it just felt. Did you put your hair down and like let it sway? <laughs> I did, yeah. I think I've got a picture somewhere of it just like blowing in front of my face. <laughs> Um, so I don't know if anybody out there noticed, or if you noticed, Dan, but I forgot to put the intro music on the last episode. But really? I did it today. I so anyone that. that's listened to it already, because I know some of you have, thank you. Um, we apologise that there was no Beethoven, but there now is Beethoven, because I put it on this lunchtime. So if you haven't listened to the last episode, go back and you'll hear some nice Beethoven <laughs> in the beginning of your episode. If you've already listened to it, just go back and listen to just Beethoven. Just listen. Just listen. Everyone likes Beethoven. Just Spotify Beethoven for like an hour. <laughs> So I started. Oh, I've started watching um, all of uh, the world at war. Oh, nice! It's so good. It is. It's still. It's still the best World War Two documentary series. It definitely made, is. It? And so Lawrence Olivier, isn't it? Is the yeah. voice. Oh, his oh voice. God. Whew. What a voice! I've got it on DVD. I've got like nice. a commemorative nice. edition with like a book, and it it oh, came. Cool. I got it from a charity shop. Yeah. Really? How much? Like three ninety nine or something. God, that's I know. Amazing. It's so good. Well, my, I think my dad has it at home because he was borrowing it, which means he's keeping it forever. <laughs> yeah, I think there's like something about it, I think, that sets it apart from others. Like the extensive kind of like um, interviews with veterans and stuff and and, le- and like leaders from the time as yeah. well. Yeah. We're still alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's quite incredible, like the insight you get from those little snippets. Yeah, and they did um, colorization on it, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. So it's more like, it looks more modern than it from when other documentaries from the time i love colorization there are some amazing like people out there doing like photographic colorization from the war and from beforehand i don't know whether they like use they must use some sort of like this gray is like red or whatever but maybe at some points it's just guesswork and like knowing the history behind what colors would have been on like uniforms or yeah i guess it's like kind of like an educated guess photograph editing is something that i've never been good at (laughs) and i wish i was better at it but alas (laughs) 
No. So, but yeah, it's fantastic. There are some people out there doing great colorization. If you're doing colorization, please hit us up on Twitter and we will follow you and retweet you. Definitely. And that's at Have You Ever Pod as well. We need to get on those other social media channels. Yeah, we should. I've been meaning to do that this week, but I haven't got around yeah, to it. Yeah, we yet. should do an Instagram because we obviously we post pictures of the people that we are talking about and other history yeah. stuff. Also, we've had a lot of people following us on Twitter this week, so thanks a lot to oh, people nice. who are following us and also like putting us on their like follow Fridays. We will do the same on Friday. We will do a follow Friday for all you guys. Awesome. Cool. Should we talk about your person? Yes. Let's do Let's it. Let's do it. Okay. I uh I changed my person um at the last minute, but it's another person issue though. I kind of like I'm a little bit obsessed with, so I, I feel like they need to be done. They need to be done soon. So the soon is now. <laughs> the time is now. 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 <laughs> so have you heard of Anne Bonny? Yes, I have. But... The Pirate Queen. Very excited to hear more about her. Cool. So... So basically, I, uh, Anne Bonny normally comes in like a package with Mary Reed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it turns out that Mary Reed's life... Like, she's always seems to be, like, Mary Reed always seems to be subordinated to, like, Anne Bonny for some reason. But Mary Reed's life is really interesting. In some ways, possibly more interesting than, like, Anne Bonny's. I'm not really sure why Anne gets kind of precedent in this relationship. But so for that reason, I w- I'm not going to do them together. And I'm probably just going to do Mary Reed next time. So That's cool. No, because then... It... My two t- my two goes are going to be a bit of It's a cool. I think there are people <laughs> who do come in duos, like not just these two, but other people who often, like Bonnie and Clyde, for example, or like hmm. other duos from history, they should be talked about, you know, in terms of like their history separately and together, like because yeah. they have different early lives, for example. So yeah, yeah go ahead and tell me about... And just remind me the period of history we're talking about here. So this is during the golden age of piracy. So that was kind of like around the... Between the 1650s and the 1730s. So this was kind of like a time when Europe was growing its empires in what they called the New World, which is uh, like the Americas, basically. (laughs) So during this time, there was kind of like a... Basically, the Spanish had gone to South America and started stealing all of the gold. So it was like transportation of a lot of pre- uh, precious cargo back towards like the uh, metropoles from the colonies. So this was kind of like a perfect time for privateers to start operating in those waters. Also, obviously, like uh, during the Tudor times, we had like the Spanish Armada yeah. and whatnot. So this was a time when European states were kind of like growing their navies. So during periods of peace, uh, basically the navies. Uh, Navy crews, like the the ship captains, had nothing to do, so they just became privateers, and those privateers uh, became pirates. Because like traditionally, these privateers would kind of attack ships of countries who were traditional enemies of the country they were from. When they kind of like decided that they shouldn't do this anymore because that might create a war, they just kind of like went went to business for themselves and became pirates. (laughs) So that was kind of like the transition from. Navy men to privateers to like pirates. Follows on from Tudors actually. It's quite close to like the Tudors. Yeah, the Spanish Armada, and they were like obsessed with, obsessed with the navy. I mean, Britain (laughs) has always been obsessed with the navy, but you know, yeah, it's when you imagine like that kind of traditional English ships, you do imagine Mm -hmm. like the Elizabethan ships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Big like Baroque things, like the Voyage of the Dawn Treader. (laughs) Yeah. So. 
let's start with Anne Bonny's early life. Um, she was born around 1698 in Kinsale, County Cork, Ireland, as uh, Anne Cormac. So she was uh, born to a well-to-do lawyer named William Cormac, so she was of solidly middle-class stock. Quite a strange uh, start for a pirate, perhaps. Yeah, that is weird. <laughs> um, however, her ma- mother was uh, Mary Brennan. She was the lawyer's family maid, with whom he was, of course, having an affair. Cause... That's why she became a pirate. <laughs> <laughs> it's the 1600s, and this is what happens. So after his wife discovered this, she left him, and uh, Mary essentially started living with him. So publicly, she was still kind of like, she remains like the maid to keep up appearances, but really they were kind of together. Okay, so he's, but that doesn't, back in the day, that doesn't mean anything. No. Like, if in the public eye, you're still the maid, you're still the maid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no one's going to know. Keep up that respectability. It's kind of like, it's a pretty harsh situation. William immediately took a liking to his no daughter. However, to avoid scandal... I don't really know why he did this. To avoid scandal, he dressed her up as a boy and introduced her as the child of a, le- of a relative entrusted to his care. So I understand the second bit of that, but I don't understand why he had to dress her up as a boy. Like Weird. Maybe it was to like, I don't know, just maybe other people knew that the maid had a daughter. Possibly. So he was like, I'll just dress up as a boy. I don't know. Maybe he really wanted a son. Maybe. Maybe it was just mm-hmm. him living his... Fantasy. <laughs> it's fantasy. I don't know. Um, but so anyway, soon after this, uh, this arrangement started, uh, his wife made the affair public and started waging a campaign against his reputation because reputation is all during this period, obviously. So all the very important well-to-do folks uh, with whom Cormac socialised turned against him and he lost all of his clients. Oh, well, kind of serves him right for sleeping with his maid. That's true. But <laughs> um, after this, he took Mary and Anne to Charlestown in South Carolina. So, I mean, he, did, he didn't leave her over it, which I don't know why that's a good thing. But I guess it is kind of a good thing, considering it's the 1600s and everyone was an arsehole then. That is true. Everyone was an arsehole then. Everyone was an arsehole. It was just... <laughs> especially men <laughs> especially men yeah because men just had everything their way so they just basically forever yeah. children they were like toddlers forever i mean they still are they still are pretty much but <laughs> so when he moved to charlestown he bought a plantation and became involved in mer- ah, merchant shipping a bit like um benedict arnold and through this he regained his wealth and respectability isn't it weird that indulging in slavery was a route to regaining your respectability? In the, it's the worst. The... <laughs> I mean, it's it's just the worst. Okay. okay, so Anne's mother died of typhoid fever in 1911 when Anne was just 13. So that's pretty harsh. That is harsh. Oh my gosh. Especially typhoid. It's yeah, the worst. Ex- exactly. See, that's the thing. Like Anne had always been a confident and independent child who defied social, so, uh, societal and gender norms. She's probably something she learned from her parents who chose one another over respectability in the end. But after the trauma of seeing her mother slowly consumed by an illness like typhoid, this had a lasting effect on Anne. So she's said to have gained a fierce and courageous temper after this happened. Some claim that as a teenager, she brutally murdered a servant girl with a case knife. What? 
So what kind of servant? Uh, like another maid? Yeah, I think so. There's not really that much. The thing is that there isn't actually much evidence for this having happened. And there's no. no real motive for this crime. So it could just be kind of like a story that's been tagged onto her since, like, after she became a pirate. They were like, oh, yeah. we always knew it was going to happen. Did you hear about her with the serpent girl on the knife? Just, like, rumours, basically. Wow, that is... That's very interesting that they were like, whether it's a story or true, yeah. that it started so early in her life. Like, they're like, oh, we're just going to like tag it on to her yeah. like, in her early life to explain maybe stuff that came. The, the thing is, like, on the, on the, on the, on the other hand, um, with the, all the money and respectability her father had at the time, it's quite possible he just had the case buried entirely. And that's why there aren't any records of it. Nice. Yeah. So I could go either way. Classic. Classic Barry. Another story that came out about her at the time, uh, which has more uh, veracity, actually, is that Anne Bonny beat a would-be rapist half, half to death, putting him in hospital for several weeks. Go Anne Bonny! Yeah, I mean, that I was fair enough, really. Obviously, I don't hope it's true, because obviously <laughs> that's horrific, but I still rate her highly. Yeah. She did that. Allegedly, the man also was a potential suitor, so likely from the same class as her father. Proving that respectability is no measure of decent behaviour. No, absolutely not. I mean, if you look at like some of the people, like, I know I'm going back to Wolf Hall a lot, but looking at like Wolf Hall, if you look at Thomas More versus Thomas Cromwell, mm. obviously Thomas Cromwell is the better man. Yeah. And he came from like literally being pushed into the dirt by his father yeah. and like worked his way up through the army. And Thomas More is just this horrific, horrible man. Though obviously this is historical fiction, so let's not <laughs> put too much like stead by it. But still, I kind of weirdly fancy Thomas Cromwell. <laughs> like in this weird, like yeah, he's just so like I don't know. I think it's I more fancy the way that Hilary Mantel writes yeah, yeah. him. It is an impressive story though, for the time. Anyway, especially. moving on for that embarrassing <laughs> historical crush. So William disapproved of his daughter's rebellious ways, uh, mainly because of stories circulating around the colony about her carousing in local taverns and sleeping with local bad boys were damaging his business. So the local bad boys. Local bad boys. <laughs> the local straw. The last straw came when Annie Anne uh, married a poor sailor by the name of James Bonny. So now she takes the name Anne Bonny. So it's her. Well, it's, it's his surname that she would make famous. Uh, so they got married in uh, 1718 at the age of 20. And after this, her father disowned her, cutting her from his will. Uh, soon but after... what was so wrong with Mr. Bonnie? He was one of the local bad boys. So he was... <laughs> and, and she didn't marry, marry the suitor that he'd picked for her, even though the suitor tried to but rape he... her. Yeah, I, I don't know about William's priorities no, here. He's, uh... Though it depends what you mean by bad boy. Because, you know... I mean, you've got a leather jacket and playing a That's band. Just, Are you true. a bad boy? Like, no, everyone that knows Dan will know he's not a bad boy. <laughs> I guess there's different levels of it, maybe. He was like a poor... He was a poor sailor. He might have been a pirate. I, I think he was a pirate, basically. I think he was known a known pirate. But soon after this, after after the man was cut from William's will, his plantation fields were torched. Though officially, the culprit remains unknown. Well, this is a lot of officially the culprit yeah. remains unknown three times so far <laughs> so i'm not I think quite sure the, pro- the problem with there uh, with the history of our body is most of it comes from yeah where are these sources are these like primary sources uh, they come from or... a general history of the robberies and murders of the no- most notorious pirates 
which was published right. in 1724, purported to be by a man called Captain Charles Johnson. But there's no actual records of his existence, so most historians believe that that's just a pseudonym for Daniel Defoe. Oh, okay, and he's a fiction writer. So he is. Um, I got made to read Mole Flanders when I was doing my history degree, and... <laughs> he did um, Diary of Plague Year, though, which is quite uh, quite good. Quite a read. Yeah. <laughs> like historians, like modern historians have been to, able to like verify that Anne did exist and she was a pirate, but a lot of the details come from this and they're, they're pr- quite difficult to verify. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I guess they would be because there's not going to be any like documentation. Yeah. Exactly. Of, of this kind of thing it's not like they kept records they're not like how you know they're not writing down their loot in like a loot book are they yeah especially out in the colonies at the time yeah okay so she potentially torched her father's yeah. corn or whatever yeah. it was burns her father's farm to the ground and moves to Nassau 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 it's uh it's basically Nassau is basically the um I think it's the it, is it the capital? I'm pretty sure it's the capital of the Bahamas. It was a really cool like place at the time, actually. So basically, originally Nassau was known as New Providence. Uh, it was built as a fort town right. to defend the bah- Bahamas, like by the British to defend the Bahamas in like during the colonial wars. So unsurprisingly, it became a frequent target of the French and the Spanish and changed hands a number of times. Continual tax coupled with a lack of legitimate governors meant that it became poor and dishevelled and soon attracted the attention of pirates that were operating, operating in the area. So basically had like no leadership. After the pirates kind of like moved in, they declared the place basically like independent and uh, named it the Pirate Republic. That's awesome. It's really cool. I want to live in the Pirate Republic. It, it was actually a really cool place. Um, uh, so it was basically like a loose confederacy with its own governors and laws based on the pirate code or the, or the code of conduct, they called it. It kind of like had quite a beneficial effect, like especially considering the state it was in after like so many battles and bloodshed. It became much more prosperous as a pirate pirate base because well, the pirates are stealing a load of shit and bringing it back to Nassau to sell. Uh, also, the pirate code was a lot more democratic than the typical laws of England at the time. Uh, race was much le- uh, much less a barrier. Uh, women enjoyed greater freedom. Basically, like I- Irish people were treated terribly at the time and there's yeah i mean in a lot of places there's examples of like well, like, like irish did really well like on pirate ships lots of like irish like pirate captains lots of like african pirate captains it was uh essentially like a really effective proto-anarchist state it's really cool it's kind of it's quite romantic really it sounds like the place for Anne bonnie yeah yeah so she yeah she she turns up around 1718 uh she soon ingratiated herself with pirate society uh, so it was kind of like to, to her dismay that she learned that her husband had turned into a snitch. Oh no! Yeah. <gasps> Mr. Bonnie, what was his first name again? James. James, James Bonnie. Bonnie! Oh my gosh. So why did he. Who was he snitching for? Uh, well, it turns out Mr. Bonnie was a very poor sailor and uh, even poorer pirate. So in order to make a living, he started turning his fellow pirates into Governor Woods Rogers. So Nassau kind of like existed as a thing up until just about the time that um Anne Bonnie turned up then the British crown sent like Wood, Wood Rogers to regain the island reimpose some semblance of what British saw as order even though it's suffocating dismal order and uh so kind of a struggle developed between the pirates that had inhabited the place 
and the British that were trying to regain it. So Woods Rogers composed a list of 10 notorious pirates that he vowed to bring to justice, uh, which included Blackbeard, which we all know. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't know that was... And basically James, James was helping him do that because he's a little snitch. And we all know snitches get stitches, right? So... Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so after this, uh, the relationship with James very quickly broke down. Obviously. So Anne spent most of her time drinking in the saloons and having fun with her pirate compadres. James w- once surprised her lying in a hammock with another man. Yeah, she was just having fun. She was living her life. She was done she's with good. the snitch. Yeah. And she's going to get in the hammock with whoever she pleases. Um, so there was nothing he could really do about this. He was still like in the midst of still what was like largely a pirate haven. He just had to kind of live with it. Anne grew particularly fond of one of her paramours, one Captain Calico Jack Rackham, so-called for his fondness of garish clothing. So very much the hipster of the pirate community. So James accepted the marriage was at an end when Anne left James for uh, Jack Rackham, basically, and became uh, the second on his ship. Oh, wow. That's that's quite cool, actually. Yeah, yeah. Like... She had, like, a lot of power on his ship. Like, she, she proved to be a, a really... Uh, impressive pirate actually she proved to not only be tough but pretty ingenious too when she first went to sea she came out with this ingenious plot uh, this ingenious ploy where she created a fake corpse by mangling the limbs of a dressmaker's mannequin and smeared it with fake blood when the crew of a passing uh, French merchant ship spotted the crazed looking Anne screaming wielding wielding an axe over her creation they surrendered their cargo without a fight so that was pretty cool yeah yeah that's yeah. That's gonna be enough. I mean, it. you would. So your merchant ship, you don't have any weapons. You're just you're just trying to deliver your. Yeah. You're just trying to get from A to B. You're just trying to deliver exactly somebody's laptop <laughs> from China to here and, and Ireland via South Korea for some reason. Also, there was insurance at this time already, so they were probably like, "Fuck it, we'll just get insurance. It's fine. We'll just be like, look, <laughs> some crazy bitch threatened us with an axe." I ain't going to yeah, yeah, yeah. that. Your, your broom is going to go through the roof, mate, but we'll pay off. <laughs> <laughs> and she was, uh, yeah, she was also pretty courageous in battle. Uh, so when the crew did attack another ship, Anne was always at the fore, decked out in a loose tunic with wide, short trousers, sword hitched by her side and a brace of pistols tucked in her sash. And a small cap perched atop a thicket of red hair. So uh, a bit like Mulan, really, dressed, dressed up as a, a man, battling... But she didn't need to, like, dress up like a man. She just... No, no. I think it was just probably more comfortable to fight in, <laughs> in britches. In britches. It is pretty, it is pretty comfortable to still fight in britches. I you can, can uh... confirm. <laughs> I can confirm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. So, yeah, she acted as uh, Rackham second on the ship. Uh, however, Rackham is generally accepted to have been a pretty poor pirate. So it's likely he was merely just the figurehead while she actually wielded the real power. Nice. That's what I like to see. Do you want to see the man who's in charge or the woman who knows what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> after so after they've been at sea for a couple of months, uh, Rackham found out that Anne had become pregnant with his child. So after that, he was, she was left in Cuba to, to deliver the what? baby. What? She's just like, I'm just going to leave you in Cuba. <laughs> just get the baby out of you, and then we'll, we'll come back and pick oh, you up. What a dick. <laughs> So what happened to that? That child is is unknown. Some speculated that she just abandoned the kid. Uh, others believe that 
Jack had a friend with a family in Cuba who agreed to uh, raise the child as their own. And others believe that the child just died of birth. But regardless, uh, Anne wasn't ready to succumb to any expected maternal instincts by that, at that time. So she just hurried back to the ship as well as wow. she could. Wow, so either there's someone out there who's the ancestor of like Anne Bonnie living in Cuba, or yep. she just like abandoned her baby, or it died of childbirth. Which is, I mean, died, that's yeah. Which... really not uncommon at this time. So mm, Exactly, like it seems most babies died yeah i mean if you look at someone like you know queen anne which is around around this time yeah yeah. she gave birth to 17 babies and none of them survived past like a really young age that's that's so harsh um so around now is when mary reed comes into story so i'm going to talk to talk about her a little bit um but uh, but I'm not going to go into much detail because I'm going to leave for her, another time uh, for her own yeah give her her own episode because uh, she deserves it. Basically, Anne is believed to have met Mary sometime in 1720 when Mary's ship was taken at sea somewhere in the West Indies. The ship she was serving on was Dutch, and Mary was the only English crew member, so she was invited to join Rackham's crew. Um, Anne is said to have become immediately enamoured with the handsome Mary and tried to seduce her. But not wanting to spark Rackham's jealousy and fearing for her life, uh, she reportedly bared Anne her breasts to show that she was a woman. Right. So she I'm not she sure where that comes know... from. Like, I don't know how anyone's going to know that. I think that's just like that's just a fantasy part of the story. Maybe. Isn't it? Obviously, she just got her boobs out. Maybe. I don't know. Some people just like to show their boobs to people. So. In, in the story, it's not the first time she like the only time she does that. It seems to pop up. Again, but <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Okay, cool. So, yeah, Anne. So after this, Anne uh, vowed to keep Mary's secret. So, yeah, which is quite a weird one as well. Like Mary was worried that Jack would get jealous, so she showed that she was a woman. But then that was kept secret anyway. Anyway, so the two became fast friends, confidants, and depending on the source, still lovers. So Let's go I don't with that. know that's how the jealousy thing comes in there. Yeah. It turns out they had a lot in common, but yeah, we'll get onto that next time. I'll I'll do some comparisons in the next episode. So yeah, despite revealing her sex to Anne, Jack still did become jealous after a while, and one night he burst into Mary's cabin intending to slit her throat. But then Mary got the breasts out again and then Rackham promised to keep her secret. Of as course well. he did. He was like, Ooh, boobs. <laughs> But, but yeah, so it's kind of weird. Like, why did this have to be a secret? Like, on Nassau, I mean, like, it wasn't completely equal, but things were a lot mm. better for women. And also, there are other pirate women. Like, in fact, uh, Anne herself was likely inspired by 16th century Irish women named Grace O'Malley, who I think was a pirate captain. Wow. She sounds badass. But at the same time, uh, many pirates thought women brought bad luck. Or reliability on board a ship, and lo- and pirates are like incredibly superstitious. Uh, so much so that Blackbeard, for one, banned women from his ship, and if his crew took one captive when they were doing that, she would be strangled and pitched over the side, which is really horrible. Wow. Yeah, pretty I mean, grim. he is. That is maybe a, a story for another time. But Blackbeard is pretty grim. Yeah, yeah he's a grim pirate. He's like an actual pirate. Actually, uh, there is a story that suggests one of the uh, of Rackham's crew took exception to Anne being on board, so Anne stabbed him in the heart. 
and fed his body to the sharks. Nice. Yeah, I think that that should be on a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> After that, no one questioned her place on the ship. You wouldn't, so. would you? Yeah, she won that place fair and square. So, once Mary joined the crew, they would always fight side by side in their battles. Their jackets billowing, long trousers and handkerchief wrapped around their head. Not trousers wrapped around their head. Yeah, a handkerchief wrapped around their heads, uh, wielding a sword in one hand and pistols in the other. They were also said to be pretty active on board in like like management lead and like leadership, as a uh, one victim would later testify during their court case, and were apparently willing to do anything. So apparently, pretty brutal pirates as well when needed when needed yeah when the opportunity called for it so once mary had joined the crew like the, yeah the, the period just after mary joined the crew proved to be particularly lucrative in september they took seven seven fishing boats and two sloops near harbour island by force uh, a few weeks later anne and mary themselves led a raid against a schooner um leading a bunch of rowdy male pirates into the jaws of death which is pretty impressive considering the time um they Apparently led from the front, gunning down the enemy crew as they climbed aboard, then cutting down those that failed to surrender. Um, with the battle done, they swore like a couple of sailors as they gathered their plunder, which is particularly important if you want to be taken seriously as a pirate. You've just got to swear a lot. I don't think I'd make a very good pirate. Don't you like swearing? Um, not really. No, I do. I do occasionally, but I'm also a bit. It doesn't sound right in my voice. Like it's too posh. <laughs> So it just doesn't sound. See, my my dad swore a lot, so I, I think I've got. It. I have to like stop myself from doing it when I'm doing this. Also, I find that I, I tried to tone it down before I started working because I thought no one would smoke, like swear in offices, but it turns out everyone swears in offices all the time. Which I find really weird and unprofessional. That's why I don't <laughs> like. I don't do it because people swear, and I'm like, oh, like I don't. I think it's because my first jobs were in primary schools. Oh, so yeah. you couldn't really swear at any point, just in case there was a child. During these raids, they managed to take reams of tackle, 50 rolls of tobacco. I don't know what a roll of tobacco is. A, a lot, yeah, maybe. I don't know how much that is. Yeah. And nine bags of pimento. Of mentos? Pimento? Oh, <laughs> those are mentos. Pimento? Is that like a bean? I, I have no idea. You're the yeah. one telling the story. <laughs> I should have looked this up, really. Let's look it up. I'm going to look it up on Google. They're like, oh no, they're not beans, they're, they're a pepper. Ah, uh, okay. Well, like one of those long peppers? Uh, I think they're like little r- or chili round chilli peppers. Is this is this good plunder? Just loads of peppers. Yes, we got the peppers. I mean, everyone loves peppers. I'm actually going to have some peppers yeah, this that's, evening. That's true. So. Let's not question the peppers, okay? Let's just <laughs> move on from the pimento peppers. Where are we up to? Okay, yeah, yeah. So while Anne and Mary were no doubt brutal, hardened pirates, they were they weren't ones to murder their captives in cold blood, which is kind of cool. Uh, those they took prisoner, they only held for two days and then released them. Oh, and that's that's if they didn't decide to join the crew themselves, which frequently um, merchant sailors did. Yeah, like it's kind of cool. Like Mary, exactly. Yeah, yeah. just be like, it's like you know, you can make a lot of money, Robin, on the ship, and they're like, oh, you're right then. Why not? I'll give it a go. See what happens. <laughs> so now we get to the end of the Pirate Queen. Sad times. Oh no. So at midnight on the 22nd of October, 1720, Anne and Mary noticed a mysterious sloop gliding up alongside them. It wasn't until it was too late that they realised it was one of Governor Woods Rogers' vessels, captained by another former pirate turned Crown Stooge, Jonathan Barnett. Go- yeah, Governor Woods Rogers used to be a pirate as well. Like a lot of... 
so a lot of as I said before, like a lot of pirates were formerly like navy people that were basically like made redundant who became pirates. Yeah. And then and then when the pirate situation got too bad, the crown then just rehired all the navy people who'd become pirates to go hunt down the rest of the pirates. It's so like yeah, it's so funny. So basically, the guy that her former husband had been like snitching to. Yeah. Is like they yeah, found them. Right. So they shouted for their crewmates to stand with them. Unfortunately, most of them were passed out from a night of particularly heavy drinking because they'd been celebrating the capture of a Spanish commercial ship from the night before. So a couple kind of like came on deck and started kind of like getting involved in the uh, in the sword fighting. But then Barno ordered a full attack and fired a barrage from his ship's cannons. And the men that did come on deck scuttled back down below and cowered in the hold. After that happened, Rackham signalled the surrender and asked for quarter. However, Anne and Mary refused to surrender. They remained on deck and faced the governor's men alone, firing their pistols and skillfully duelling with their cutlasses. All those who approached were either shut down or cut down. The legend goes that um, Anne was so disgusted that she stopped fighting long enough to peer over the entrance of the hold and yell, If there's a man among ye, you'll come up and fight like the man you'll be. And when not a single camera had responded, she fired a shot down into the hold, killing one of them. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, you know what? Take Fuck that. you guys. Yeah. Um, in the end, Anna Mary were uh, overpowered and taken prisoner, along with Rackham and the rest of the crew. So that's pretty harsh. Well, um, I mean, like, I was just thinking that in my head. I was like, surely if they don't come up and fight, they're going to get taken prisoner. Exactly. So why didn't they well just, just fight? Like, like okay, they didn't want to die, but they might anyway if they're taken prisoner. I guess they just had a really bad case of anxiety. No, oh, yeah, that is they true. The shakes. Yeah. Like, oh, man, it's, it's real. Anxiety is real. <laughs> oh, it is it's real. so real. The pain is real. Jack and his crew were sentenced to hang, and the punishment was to be carried out on the 18th of November, 1720. His final request was to see Anne. And Anne agreed to go to see him. But she only had one thing to say to him, and that was, I'm sorry to hear you here, Jack, but had you fought like a man, you need not have hanged like a dog. Oh, that is so fair and so harsh. Fair That should be on his epitaph. (laughs) It should be. Maybe we should go hunt down his gravestone and chisel that on I do think it probably is on there. We should do like (laughs) some sort of um, perambulation of all the people we've talked about so far, their graves. Yeah. So we haven't done anyone yet that's still alive. So oh yeah, we you, you did someone who was nearly still alive. <laughs> yeah, Christine Keeler died a couple party. of years ago. <laughs> and the uh, and uh, what's his name? David Lewis uh, last week. Yeah, yeah, he died a couple of years ago as well. So yeah, I do. We'll anyway. do a little blog, everyone. You heard it here first. <laughs> a little um, where is everyone's grave blog? Uh, so ten days later, she and Mary stood trial at the Admiralty Court in St Jago de la Vega in jamaica uh both pleaded not guilty to all charges but the evidence was overwhelming even some of their own crewmates testified against them accusing them of being ringleaders and brutal uh, at that so that's pretty harsh i mean turned on by their own cowardly crewmates yeah they were cowardly but that's also true that they were the ringleaders yeah that's true so they were they had they had pretty much taken over by that point but yeah but where's the honor where's the honor amongst thieves there's just no honor anymore i mean i guess anymore anymore. but like this was like or in the 1700s (laughs) 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 um 
And not surprisingly, Anne and Mary were found guilty and sentenced to be hanged. Wait, so this is seventeen twenty. Yeah. So this is exactly three hundred years ago. Oh yeah. So the three. This is a good three hundredth anniversary of the sentencing of Anne Bonny. Though we're out by seven months. That's fine. That's fine. It's, it's close That's enough. It's close enough. <laughs> so, yep, they, uh, Anne and Mary were found guilty and sentenced to be hanged. However, their executions were stayed because they both claimed they were quick with child. <gasps> oh, they both were child-bearing. Yeah. yeah. Um, the old child card. But, like, what, how did that... What a coincidence. But apparently it, it was true, I think. Oh, Anne was having Rackham's baby, and uh, and uh, and Mary had been getting it on with another member of the crew, but I'm not I, I'm not actually sure who that is. But I will know for next week or next time, the next one <laughs> when I do Mary. <laughs> so Rackham and his crew met the end of the rope on the 18th of November, 1720. However, Mary and Anne were remanded in custody. Uh, it's believed, though. Soon after, Anne's father managed to pay the ransom for his daughter and bring her back to Charleston. He's back! Will is back! Yep. She, he's clearly been following her escapades in the newspaper. And now he's come to save his daughter. Wow. Despite disowning her. Maybe After all this. Maybe this would never have happened, William, if you had, like, not disowned your daughter in the first place. Yeah, and not try to marry her off to a rapist. Yeah, that that's probably your first mistake. Actually, his first yeah. mistake was having an affair with the maid. But if he had an affair with the maid, then Anne would never have existed. Maybe, but maybe he would have, like, she would have existed in another parallel universe. See episode four <laughs> for David Lewis. <laughs> this is true. But then our universe would not have an Anne Bonny. Mm, that, that would, would be, be sad. sad, yeah. But not for the people that she killed. <laughs> Sorry to but, any of those us. people. <laughs> Um, so apparently soon after this she gave birth to Rackham's child and there is evidence to suggest that in 1721 she she remarried to a man named Joseph Burley together they had eight children so she just kind of like lived a normal life oh weird yeah kind of weird hang on wasn't she like still technically married to her first husband or did they get a divorce um I, I, maybe he was dead by that point. Let's just say I, he I, was I dead. Know. Yeah, he's probably just gone. And Rackham's obviously gone. Yeah. I don't think they ever got married, though, so that's not really a thing. Oh, so after know. that, he, she was, like, just played mum? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And she lived until uh, 1782. Wow. She, like, lived for ages. She was old. She was, yeah, like... proper old. What? 90? Yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of crazy. She just kind of, like, seemingly reintegrated into polite society, which kind of is... I think a bit of a sad end for such like a fierce, independent historical figure. Yeah, I was like expecting either. I did not know that at all about Anne Bonny. I, in my head, had it that she went down with the crew somehow. Yeah. So. It were. Yeah, it might have been better for her to have just died in that final battle. Well, maybe not better for her. Better for her story. <laughs> oh. But the story is important because that's kind of like the legacy she holds now. Like. Her impact on on the world has been primarily cultural. Yeah, uh, she's been important for like historians and critics of like gender studies and feminism as a figure who utterly overcame gender like gender norms uh, of the time at a time when they were so stringently imposed. But like as a pirate, she didn't have like a huge impact. Her pirating career only really lasted like a few months. Also, Rackham wasn't a very imposing pirate, so they only really took 
quite easy prey like fishing vessels and like armed traders they didn't engage the british navy or anything like some others did but if it weren't for Anne Bonny and Mary Reed, Rackham would just be a footnote in pirate law. Like he's he's only famous because of those two. Yeah. So he he owns his infamy to them, and by, and most likely his success as well. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah. I kind of. She's a really cool character. Yeah, I thought that she was kind of more like out on the ship for longer. No, no, it was really. It, yeah. Yeah, her her career just burnt right for. For a really short spell. I guess like some of these historical figures that we are doing have like short bursts of being really important. So yeah. I guess in in history, like for example, Mulan, like her story mm. is also quite short. Well, depending on the version of yeah. Mulan that you you know buy into. Yeah, generally it's just twelve years. Twelve years of fighting and then gone. Yeah. So but then some people have a like whole lifetime impact. Like someone yeah. like Primo Levi, who I did, his whole life yeah. was very impactful. Yeah, same Chiang Kai Shek. Mm. But Tojo, Tojo, I suppose, was just kind of like a pen, like a pencil pusher until he just became prime minister for a few years. Yeah, exactly. His is quite short as again. well. Yeah, and then yeah. who else have we done? Christine Keeler. She was incredibly important to yeah. the, in the nineteen sixties, or even for like just a couple of years in the nineteen sixties, and then her story's pretty much over after that. Yeah. So yeah, she kind of like influenced like one one big event and then kind of vanished. But the thing about history, guys and gals, is that these big short bursts of being important change the rest of society forever. Yeah. So these people that's why these people are important. That's why you should always listen to have you ever heard of. <laughs> <laughs> Everything circles back to you listening to more episodes. <laughs> Damn right. So, um, what are you doing this evening, Dan? I don't. I think I'll probably go back to trying to trying to edit that thing. Your board game. My head. I, yeah, I'm feeling a little bit more awake now. So that was a problem. <laughs> I mean, it's like nearly seven like p.m. To... <laughs> I know it takes me ages to wake up now. My whole like body clock's messed up. Plus, I went for like a ten k run yesterday again. So I was pretty. Oh, look I at think you! I'm tired from that. Going for a 10K But I do that like weekly. That's not a normal. That's just a normal thing for me. Brag, brag, brag. <laughs> cool there's so many things that i kind of want to get on with though so i just want this to be finished mm. so next week um i'm not going to tell you who i'm talking about but i'm going to give everyone out there a clue and see if they can guess it before so next week i will be talking about a badass mathematician without whom we would not have computers very nice i have a i have an idea who it's going to be but i'm not going to say anything okay well we'll see if you're right <laughs> and um everyone else you can have a guess on Twitter if you want to have a guess. So, uh, what are you doing for the for the rest of the evening? I am gonna make. Uh, I'm gonna go water my garden, which is now my baby. Though I'm not gonna have to water it for the next week because we're gonna have rain for seven days now, apparently. Really? Yeah, seven days like Craig I'm, David. I'm kind of happy about that because it has been really it, hot. Yeah, and it, it's very, it's incredibly depressing when it's beautiful outside and, and you can't go out <laughs> experience it. um yeah so i'm gonna go water my garden and then i'm going to make like a salad halloumi pepper salad Very for nice. dinner and then i'll probably do some reading do some yeah some art maybe do some writing if i can be bothered oh, nice. because i'm feeling yeah peppy i've been thinking about getting into drawing again i have like i've bought like a a really cool 
Japanese um, brush pen, which is, which is like brilliant for drawing. I just kind of like drawing like little cartoony type things. Yeah, I've got so brush it's, pens. It's really perfect they're, for that. They're great. Well, you can draw some cool um, people from history. I yeah. Post them on Instagram. <laughs> I draw Tojo. So for now, um, we don't have an Instagram yet, but we will, and we'll let you know when we have it. But you should all go follow us on Twitter at Have You Ever Pod. Yes, you should. And subscribe. And subscribe. Yeah. So all that good stuff. All that good stuff here where you're listening. Subscribe Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or you can listen on Podbean. Bye, everyone. Bye. 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 Love you. Bye. <laughs>